Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone. Your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Cause maybe. <laughs> Cause maybe. Oh, we're all off key. This is You're going to be the one that saves me. And after all. You're my wonder wall. We, we both went to the, the harmony. harmony. <laughs> wow. You're my wonder wall. Uh, I think we... Uh. Please, in the comments below, give us your own wonder wall of how you think this show should start because a lot of you apparently disagree with our amazing... Look at this. We deserve to be on Broadway. What you don't know is that we tried to record that before. We forgot to hit record. So we're trying to sing it for the second time. It sounded worse the second time somehow. somehow. Usually when you revise something, it sounds better the second time around. Anyway, you're listening to the Command Zone podcast. We like to call ourselves the greatest commander podcast on this earth. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's just like, oh, what, what, we, a, what a train wreck. Yeah. Trust me, the first version sounded great. I was like in the deep bass too, because it's the early morning. Um, so <laughs> before we get into the show, uh, we of course have to mention the sponsors of the show. Small little tidbit. This show doesn't exist without sponsors. We've been doing, this is episode 145. We've been around for two years. We've been doing this for a long time for free. So this is why we talk about sponsors, because they make the show possible, because we have to pay an editor. And that was a lot of hours that we put into the show. Cardkingdom.com slash command zone. They're great. They send you cards on time, and they're all great quality. Yeah, we get a lot of cool testimonials on Twitter. I'm going to read one really quick. This is from Paul Vander Hayden, who is at Curanier471 on Twitter. He says, guess who I'm brewing? And shows Brago and a green card I can't make out in this picture. Uh, it says, Card Kingdom coming in clutch with the free three-day shipping for game night tonight. Cards all look 100%. Nice. So, Paul, I'm glad you're happy. Make sure you use the affiliate link, everybody, mm -hmm. so that you are supporting the show. Um the other way to support the show is to directly go to patreon.com slash command zone and you can become a patron there. In fact, we dedicate uh, each episode to a different patron. And this episode is Rasmus Lang Erickson. One of the coolest names I've seen in a while. Has three names like me. Josh Lee Kwai. Mm -hmm. Which means we can both be like assassins someday. My favorite was someone thought your name was Josh Lee, J-O-S-H-L-Y. Josh Lee Kwai. Oh, like Josh Lee's my first name? Yeah, Josh Lee's your first name. It is not. Little known fact, also, Kwai is not my last name. It's Lee Kwai. It's two words, one last name. I know. It's an Asian thing. It's weird. And that must cause you a lot of pain at, like... The DMV? DMV. Yeah, it totally <laughs> Any does. kind of identification. I mean, the DMV is painful no matter what. Yeah. It's just a little bit more painful. Anyway, patreon.com slash command zone. Um, you know, that's how our viewers have paid us back for... put. Josh, how many hours have you put into Game Nights this, this next episode that just came out? Oh, uh, well, I'm not done yet, but I'm guessing it's going to end up at around 75 hours. 75 hours for a single video of editing. And if you guys can't spend three seconds to skip past to the four-minute mark and you're complaining in the comments, I don't know what you're doing with your life. This is free content. <laughs> I've been making YouTube videos for six years, and people still complain about free content. It's like, guys, come on. Jimmy, come on. Jimmy's salty about some of the comments. No, I've just seen it so many times, and it's the same old argument, and I always have to debate it. Anyway, this So those of you who have skipped forward to this point, here we go. This episode is going to be about... A new deck I brewed for, Game Nights Episode 3. It is Silas Wren, Seeker Adept, and Sidar Kondo of Jamura. We should probably say, if you haven't watched the new Game Nights episode, there will probably be some spoilers in this episode. So, you know, you probably want to watch the Game Nights episode first, or if you don't care about such things, just keep going. Yeah, so this is a partnered commander. Uh, before we recorded the episode, Josh uh, emailed us all out and said, hey, if you guys have any partnered commanders, make sure you build them, because it is the new hot thing on the block. And I decided to address it by giving myself a challenge which is build a deck without red. Jimmy, who are you? There were about, I probably countless numbers. I would say probably like 16 to 20 times at this point when I was brewing the deck where I stopped, looked at the whole list and went, I should just get rid of a color and add red. <laughs> You're like, it's too hard. I gave myself too hard of a challenge. And honestly, I'm still thinking about doing that. Because <laughs> to the this way, moment? Yeah, because the way I brewed this deck, there's literally three colors and then one splash for one card in green, which is the partner <laughs> commander. But the idea and the premise of the deck stays the same. Uh, there are a couple of cards that I was looking at when I decided to start brewing this, because I saw Silas Wren. And let's read the two real fast. Oh, yeah. 
So only one of them really matters. Let's be honest. We'll read both, but this is the one that matters. This one kind of matters. Well, okay, we'll get we'll get to it. <laughs> so Silas Ren, Kylo Ren, Seeker Adept, legendary <laughs> artifact creature, human. He's a two-two, costs one uh, blue and a black, so three mana total. He's got Death Touch. It says whenever Silas Ren deals combat damage to a player, choose target artifact card in your graveyard. You may cast that card this turn. Also has partner. Um, one thing to note is you have to cast the card. So once you do combat damage to somebody, you don't get something for free. You just have access to casting the card as if it were in your hand. Right. So you may cast that card. Um, and usually, uh, this is great if you're trying to do lower CMC stuff. Silas is something that comes out in turn three and can swing by turn four, sometimes a little earlier. So in general, uh, that was something I had to keep in mind. And the other card in the deck is Sadar Kondo of Jamura. Two green and a white for a 2-5 legendary creature human knight. He has flanking. Haven't seen that in a while. Uh, this doesn't really come into play, but flanking says whenever a creature without flanking blocks this creature, the blocking creature gets minus one, minus one till end of turn. So it's like an automatic debuff because this guy's just such a buff. Because no dude. one's going to have a creature with flanking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and uh, the more important part of the text says creatures your opponents control without flying or reach can't block creatures with power two or less. So basically anything on the ground can't block smaller weenie two power guys. Um, he also has partner. Notably, this isn't of an effect just for you. It affects the entire table, um, which is kind of cool. You can still block, but they cannot. Right. It just affects your opponents, basically. Yeah. So I decided to build around these two uh, partner commanders because uh, Silas, I like, okay, I was like, cool. I want to use this ability. I want to get value off of it. And I finally well, stumbled upon... Sadar makes sense with Silas, too, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're like... Obviously, you want Silas to connect. You want him to deal combat damage to somebody. And if you can get it in place in a game where somebody's like, well, I don't care, I'll block. That's you a know, good point. Just because it's got Death Touch. So Sidar can come out and make sure that Silas gets through. Yeah, and it's great for later in the game when you have to recur one of your important artifacts just to be able to play Sidar and get that through. Uh, I also wanted to turn Sidar himself into a win condition, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. But two cards that I finally saw that I guess are kind of EDH staples that I never really knew about was the Station Cycle. Uh, and so these are sort of very powerful artifacts that all have the ability to untap, and they all have an ability that when you tap it, it does something. So the main card is Salvaging Station. It's a six-drop artifact, and you can tap it to return target non-creature artifact with converted mana cost one or less from your graveyard to play. And then the second line of text, whenever a creature is put into a graveyard from play, you may untap Salvaging Station. So any creature going into the graveyard untaps this thing, and then you can tap it to return a non-creature artifact with converted mana cost one or less to play. I think we've learned that when you can untap something, you usually can figure out ways to do that as many times as you feel like. Correct. Yeah, that's a very powerful card. The other station is Blasting Station. It's three mana for an artifact. You can tap it and sacrifice a creature. Blasting Station deals one damage to target creature or player. And then whenever a creature comes into play, you may untap Blasting Station. I mean, it's not too difficult to see how these two things work together. Yeah, so they definitely work together. The big part of these is the fact that a for Salvaging Station, the bigger one, uh, a creature has to be put into a graveyard. And for Blasting Station, a creature has to come into play to untap them. So I wanted to use these two to essentially... Uh, the plan for the deck was to ramp, tutor, and find combo pieces and establish one of several win conditions for the Blasting Stations or the Salvaging Station. Um, so, obviously... This is the Silas Sidar Station deck. SSS. <laughs> Triple S, that's I right. I just that's named a, it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm going to keep it. Maybe that'll be the name of the episode, too. SSS deck. Everyone's like, what the heck is that's that? That's not very clickbaity. Yeah, it's like the best grade you can get in Dance Dance Revolution, though. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Triple S. Um... <laughs> So there are lots of ways, obviously, to go infinite with these stations because they untap. They have all sorts of really powerful things. The important thing to note is that being able to put something into play with the uh, salvaging station is one of the most important parts of making an infinite combo. So when I built the deck, um, we talked a little bit about this last time, but I tried to build win conditions into it. Like I wrote the win conditions out first and then went around building the deck. So the first main win condition is using station infinite shenanigans. So either using blasting station to hit someone a billion times uh, or salvaging station to create some kind of loop to drain everyone with some other cards I have in the deck. And another way to win, the B win condition, is insta-smack. So getting one creature that's pumped to infinity power and toughness that slips by, by with Sadar Kondo, and then before damage happens, you pump it all the way up and just hit someone once. Uh, and the third win condition insta -smack. is... Insta-smack. Insta-smack, like yeah, just one hit. Blah. Uh, and you can't block it. <laughs> 
that's sort of why I wanted Sidar with Silas as well. I was like, oh, Makes that's sense. cool. The only <laughs> I'll talk about more of this later, but there's a lot of cards in red that are really good for instant smack. You you got to get that out of your head, man. You got to just pretend I, red's not there. Like it's just not, eating at you. That's not possible. Just for now and yeah. not forever. Thank God. <laughs> uh, the third win condition is energy. I have Etherworks Marvel in the deck, and because things are constantly going to the graveyard and being recurred, you can essentially gain infinite energy at a certain point and then just play your whole deck out. So there are a couple of different cards in the deck that can all win the game, but it requires a decent amount of setup to actually make it work. So let's break down the stats. <laughs> stats. Man, we're so good at that now. Yeah. So mana ramp. There's 14 ways to ramp mana in this deck. Um, but I like it. a lot of them are very different. So there's two sack outlets that, or three sack outlets that do it the Krark Clan Ironworks, and then the two altars, Phyrexian and Ashnods. There is three different cards that untap artifacts. So they're not, it's not like strictly ramp, but for the most part, if you have these cards out, you are able to generate a lot more mana. And then there are two cards that either give all your cards Convoke or Inspire. Um, or not, sorry, Improvise. Improvise, yeah. Yeah, uh, so I called so them the... Inspiring Statuary is the new card from E3 Revolt that gives um, all your non-artifact spells Improvise. And then Chief Engineer mm -hmm. is the one that gives all your artifact spells Convoke. This is your, like, favorite card, secretly. Chief it's Engineer not a red is... It's not a red card, but I, I, you get that on your side of the board more than anybody in our playgroup. In fact... I think I played it in almost. I can't two really of the think of anybody else that like plays the card. The card's amazing. Don't get me wrong. You would think I, Craig would play this card for sure. Yeah, maybe in his Memnarch deck. He doesn't have a ton of artifact-based decks though, True. so because he should. I don't know. Maybe Infect uh, artifacts doesn't work very good or something. Yeah, Chief Engineer. For those that don't know, uh, one in the blue for a one-three Vidalcan Artificer. Artifact creatures, artifact spells you cast have Convoke. So essentially, your spells can help cast artifacts by tapping them to pay for one of the mana in the artifact. In Game Nights, you had both Chief Engineer and Inspiring Statuary out, which basically meant that all the spells in your hand, you could tap different things to create extra mana for them. It was really kind of crazy. Like, yeah. It gave you a whole lot of versatility for how you could what you could play and how much mana you had available for I the different the things. option to play, I think, Kozilek on turn five or six, but decided not to for whatever reason. Couldn't. Might die. <laughs> might die, yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is sad because it was turn six, but, well, <laughs> we're not going to totally spoil Game Nights. You do have to watch it. Yes, please watch it. Um, so <laughs> there are five different ways to draw cards in this deck, um, but the, the point of the deck is that I don't actually need that much card draw because a lot of the card draw is tied to a one CMC artifact. Well, also recursion, right? Recursion yeah. is sort of similar to card draw. It's not the exact same, but if you get a card out of your graveyard, it back to your hand or into play, that is like an additional card you wouldn't have otherwise had. So it's, it's I'd, I'd call it close to card draw, yeah. provided you can guarantee get stuff in there. Yeah, and Silas Ren is one of the best ways of doing it. Um, there's almost always someone you can attack at the table that they don't want to block a 2-2 death touch. Yep. Um, and when you're just like, oh, I'm just playing this one-drop artifact to get another land, people aren't, don't see it as a major threat to their life. So they're like, that's fine. I will save this giant creature that I need to block something else. Or... I got to say, I didn't think Silas Ren was going to be that great. Um, when we looked at him and we sort of did our reviews, but yeah, it turns same. out that he's very, very good, and the Death Touch is an underrated part of it because in a deck like this, which is sort of a combo deck, one of the things you, the resource you sort of need the most maybe is time. Mm -hmm. And a commander that has Death Touch is a great way to buy time because people aren't going to come out, and it's a three drop, so you're going to get it out early, and you're going to be pretty safe from people attacking you because they're just not going to want to trade anything important for your commander because they know you can cast it again. Mm -hmm. It doesn't actually cost you anything. So anything really good they've got is probably not coming at you, and it's just a great defender. And then, of course, it does recur your stuff also, but the fact that it, at a certain point in the game, Silas just sits there and stops the best stuff from coming at you, it's, it's just turned out to be a lot better than I thought it would be. Yeah, we had the same effect with Atraxa. Because yeah. she's Vigilance, Lifelink, Death Touch. Yep. So she can, you know, ping you, hit you, and then sit there and no one wants to swing into you because you're happy to trade the tracks off if you don't need the proliferate triggers or whatever. Yeah, it's, yeah, I think Death Touch on a commander is just something maybe I, I haven't rated cor correctly up until now, but I think yeah. that's something to pay attention to. Uh, single target removal, also a stats category that has a pretty low number, two. But again, a lot of these cards are either one-drop artifacts or they're cards that you can get back with Silas Ren. So the recursion of them means that you can consistently draw them a bunch throughout the game. Plus, you know, are you counting? Like, sometimes it's hard to sort of count that number correctly. Like, 
uh, blasting station kind of can be single target removal because mm-hmm. it can ping stuff down and uh, repeat ping them over and over yeah, again. Yeah, and so things like that maybe sort of count as like half of a single target because you do have to get other pieces to really do that. But you know, if the deck's not getting its other pieces, it's probably not going to win anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I played the card. I played like Ether Spell Bomb like three or four times that game as well. Is that a single target removal spell that you counted on there? Because that, that totally should count. It is. It is yeah. one of the two. <laughs> it's great with Silas Ren because yeah, like you said earlier, the one drop artifacts in game nights one of the things jimmy was able to do was um get expedition map out very early and then just basically keep using it with because just attack with silas ran recast it use mm-hmm. it attack with and just pull the best lands out of his deck for like the first you know four or five turns yeah and, if you're not under any pressure you can just you have the mana to cast a one drop and then holding up the extra two for expedition map isn't as huge as long as because you're playing the land so each, you know turn three you play silas by that point, you have the expedition map out. You can crack it, swing in, play it again, and have the mana to use it again. Well, and the first land you get is Ancient Tomb. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, you're <laughs> self-contained because that one land will be able to um, activate expedition map. So now it's not costing you two lands. It's costing you one land. And then the next land I think you got was like Crosenverge that goes and gets you two more lands. And mm-hmm. so it paid for itself after the first two uses, and now you're just ahead on the exchange every time you use it. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't actually put any green ramp spells in. An expedition map and, and Silas Run was the only way I was really ramping in that game, outside of the sort of convoke and improvise cards as well. Yeah, and but you were able to keep up, and uh, yeah, that that again, that combo. I think Josh Kim and I were like, "Geez, that's way better than I would think it would be." Because expedition map is good for tutoring up specific lands, but mm-hmm. reusing it over and over is not something I would think that I would want to do because it's kind of expensive. It's three mana, but after you're like Ancient Tomb, oh crap, now you can just do it. Crosenberg, oh man. So now you you actually Temple just got the false a, gods. Yeah, just it's like, like just get ahead on land. Yeah, exactly. It, it, that was a really good combo. Uh, and finally, Board Wipes, four. So this is about a normal amount. Yeah. Uh, this Maybe is slightly low, but yeah, I mean, you don't, I, you know, I guess you can kind of count Cyclonic Rift as a board wipe in a way. So oh, maybe I always it's count close. it. You didn't count it. I didn't count it. It's, oh. I mean, it's a board reset to me. Um, board wipe. <laughs> then nobody has stuff after you play it. Well, you do. Yeah. Um, well, so, it's one sided. Yeah. That's so, why I mean, it's awesome. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> can we ban it already? Anyway, no, uh, what? <laughs> Unban things. Don't ban. Okay. Here, here. So it seems a little unbalanced, and again, this is all because of the salvaging and blasting station in Silas. You're just essentially gaining a lot of value over the long term because of these cards. So some single target removal can actually count as like somewhat mass removal because you can use it so many times. Um, it's maybe slightly spread out over time, but I do like the fact that it's a lot more inter- um, instant speed interaction than a sorcery speed board wipe. So it's a lot easier to say, like, don't do this. Look at all these things I have on the board that can affect you. So why, you know? Stop it. Go do something else against someone else. Stop it. Go do something else. Okay, so let's talk about some of the infinite combos in the deck. Yay, everyone's favorite. Um, We're going to catch flack for the infinite combos thing. I purposely didn't put any two-card infinite combos in here, although I wouldn't be surprised. There probably are some on accident. Um, Let's start off with the Salvaging Station and Blasting Station together. So one of the best cards in the deck, like 100%, is Flare Husk. It's and pretty funny, but it is. It's very funny. It's a one-drop artifact. It's an equipment. It's a living weapon, so when it enters the battlefield, you create a 0-0 black germ creature token, and then this, it's attached to it, and that creature gets plus one, plus one. So it's a one-mana, one-one that can re-equip, and then the germ dies. Um, it was really good in Modern Master. It's a really great card. But the reason it's good in this deck is it costs one. So it comes out, but it also brings a creature with it. Well, you need one-drop um, artifacts specifically right yeah non-creature artifacts because for salvaging, the salvaging station. station yeah exactly so well yeah and that's the thing right non-creature artifact but flare husk tricks that system finding a loophole because flare husk is not a creature it's a living weapon but it creates a creature when it comes into play so you get a creature so now you're able to break this whole thing between the two where you know a creature going to the battlefield does something a mm-hmm. creature going into the graveyard does, to untaps the other one and now we're in trouble so unless bla- we're Jimmy, and then we're not in trouble. <laughs> You're not in trouble at yeah. all. So these, so if you have the salvaging station and the blasting station out, and you play Flare Husk, what happens is that Flare Husk comes into play, a creature comes into play, and then blasting station will untap. That triggers on the stack. You can tap it to sacrifice the creature on Flare Husk to deal one damage to something. And then salvaging station says whenever a creature is put into a graveyard from play, you may untap salvaging station. So this triggers on the stack now. It's ready to untap. In response, you use something like Kirk Clan Ironworks or any artifact uh, sack outlet to sack the artifact. And then the Salvaging Station. Remember, you sacked the germ token 
to the blasting station, mm-hmm. and then you sack the flare husk to the salvaging station. No, wait, to the Carcrane Ironworks. Yeah, so to any uh, artifact sack outlet. So um, now that this is in the graveyard, the salvaging station wants to untap. You tap it in response to that trigger. Then this comes back into play, and everything resets. So it's a way to essentially get infinite damage or infinite mana. Yeah, because the blasting station can deal one damage every mm-hmm. time. So you're basically untapping and tapping the blasting station and the salvaging station infinitely, and the blasting station's doing the murderous red cap thing. And just bah, 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 bah. Yeah, and the blasting station doesn't even need to be the blasting station. It can just be a creature sack outlet to essentially have... You basically want to get the flare husk in the graveyard, um, and having like a Ashnod's altar or a Phyrexian altar means you get a ton of mana. Blasting station is the infinite part of it that you can get infinite damage. It's a four card combo. It's not like super OP or broken, um, and it's pretty easy to see coming from like a literal mile away. I mean, if you see any either blasting station or um, salvaging station, like if your opponent ever plays either one of those. You have to try and kill those things. Yeah, very quickly. And exile if possible because they're those the stations are just known for doing stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so that's one of the infinite combos. Another infinite combo would be salvaging station plus chromatic star plus march of the machines and a sack outlet. So as you can tell, these are a little a teeny bit. Thing is, convoluted. when you ha- when you have more like this, so now all of a sudden salvaging station needs you know four cards, but it needs really flare huskin blasting station or chromatic star and march of the machines because the Clark clan ironworks will will stand in for the sack yeah. outlet and so therefore they're all interchangeable it makes it better because it's, yeah it's a four card combo but there's two different ones and the, some of the pieces are interchangeable so it's really like i need salvaging station and then some mix of these eight cards or so yeah so march of the machines is a card that makes all of your uh, non-creature artifacts an artifact creature with power and toughness equal to its casting cost its convert mana cost so salvaging station if chromatic star is in the graveyard it, when it goes to the graveyard it draws you a card it will bring back this the chromatic star it becomes a creature when it's on the battlefield and then you can sack it, and then the salvaging station is going to untap because it sees it as a creature, and then it's back in there. So you essentially just do this over and over again and draw infinite cards. Then you draw your blasting station eventually. Yeah, and the sack outlet will usually give you mana to eventually cast it, and you sort of set that up. Um, and then another one that the sort of insta-smack is salvaging station plus arcbound ravager plus flare husk. So arcbound ravager is a, a, a modern card. <laughs> it's a card. It's a very good card in affinity. Yeah, it's a two-drop. Uh, one one essentially that you can sack an artifact to put the plus one plus one counter on it and if you have flare husk out in salvaging station you use this as the sack outlet you keep bringing the flare husk back and then you eventually get fortunately because when flare husk disappears the zero zero germ creature token also dies but the way that tokens work is they did do actually go to the graveyard right. and they're seen there and then the state based actions take effect and then it's gone from they'll existence. trigger like when a creature dies or goes to the graveyard effects basically yeah. yeah so this is that thing you were talking about where you attack with arc baron ravager and because it's small and you have side condo out they can't block it and then before damage you start going crazy by sacking flare husk infinite amount of times basically to grow the arc baron ravager in arbitrary amount and insta smack i like insta smack i do like insta smack so you can combine Oops. any <laughs> you can combine any of these infinite combos with the Etherworks marvel to generate infinite energy and then you can combine any infinite mana and use a card a new one called universal solvent mm-hmm. it's a one drop from uh uh ether revolt mm-hmm. that you can pay seven to tap it and destroy target permanent <laughs> so you can literally just destroy the entire board if you wanted to is it non-land permanent or is it permanent just permanent holy crap yeah it's pretty interesting um so you can kind of do the um, the capsize thing where yeah. it just, yeah, you just Once get rid of all the, you're, well, yeah, I'm just you're saying, blowing like, everything up. They have the same effect. Once everything's back in everybody's hands or nobody has anything, that's the same. Everyone's dead. It's pretty, pretty rough. <laughs> I looked up Universal Solvent on, on Google. It turns out that that is actually just a thing. Yeah, Universal Solvent just blows up a permanent. It's pretty interesting, and it's a one-drop artifact. Um, so... Again, there are a lot of cards like we'll take key, the clock of omens, and you can keep untapping key artifacts. And the, but the big thing is really like these stations untap when other people do stuff. So yeah, at the very least, even if you're not going infinite, you're gonna find a way to use them before it comes back to your turn. And in game nights, I think you had a turn where this is the kind of deck where you like on somebody's end step or something. We're like, okay, do this, sack that, put it here, untap these things, do that. That'll bring this back. Then I'll sack it. Then And you didn't even go infinite. You could just do that like eight or nine times. So it was like draw eight cards, bounce a, a couple of things. Okay, that's what I can do. And it, we were all just like, 
wait, <laughs> someone needs to stop that this. wasn't infinite. No. Oh, crap. Because even without sort of going infinite, you were able to just yeah. do so much once you had even, a, you know, like half the combo assembled. Unfortunately, your deck was not well equipped to fight this. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, everybody that voted for me to play Titania in that episode. Um, <laughs> it just it wasn't a good choice for the, that particular meta. But that, that happens. That's fine. Turns out your vote did matter. And it's... It screwed Josh. The other one was, you know what? It's true because my other, I, I gave a choice between Rune and Titania, and Rune would be way better. Yeah, Rune uh, in that particular meta, Rune, Rune would have been very good. But yeah, you just do that infinite destroy uh, exile permanent counter right? stuff, and also it's a toolbox deck, so I can constantly go find the enter the battlefield, destroy artifact creatures, and things like that. But whatever, right? We're fine. We're good. It was <laughs> all good. It was all good. Speaking of, we're all salty about something today. Um, <laughs> Okay, let's go into the categories of the deck now that we've discussed how it goes infinite. Um, the first is combo it off. Obviously, these are the combo pieces. By the way, before we get into this, I don't think I'm ever going to build a combo deck ever again. It's too much head work. It just, it's not my play style. I challenge myself to do something in two different sort of categories, and it's just, it's good. I learned that. I this don't is how love I feel it. about every combo deck I've ever built, which is that I came up with these combos and all these synergies, and I was very excited, and then I played it, and it worked. And then I was like, yeah, that didn't actually, it wasn't very fulfilling. It was like the <laughs> yeah, Kaidel. Yeah, it was like the Kaidel deck, how I just immediately took it apart after that game nights. And it worked. Mm. Like it comboed off and I made infinite mana and I killed everybody. And I was like, it's just not that exciting once you do it because you're just like, yep, I, you know. So, I mean, some people really like it and I, I totally get it, but I, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on your side of it. Well, All yeah. my favorite decks are not combo decks. I mean, I like purposely tried to give it different win. Like, I want to kill some with Arcbound Ravager, right? With Sidar Kondo. That um, would have been sweet. Insta-smack somebody. Yeah, it unfortunately didn't come around. The reason that red would be good in this position is that all the Atogs are, oh, are in fact yeah. sackers. Plus, you would want um, additional combat steps in a deck like that because otherwise yeah. you're just insta-smacking one person and not just winning. <laughs> and then passing know? the turn. Yeah, everyone's like, like, well, you're dead. Uh, just, hope you, you just, don't kill me. <laughs> Do you guys just see him kill that one yeah. guy? <laughs> They're like, ah. <laughs> Get um, him. So the combo with off category, obviously both of the stations, salvaging station and blasting station, and then the three triple threat uh, sack outlet combo of Clark Clan Ironworks. Couldn't have made that hard to say, Wizards. Ashnod's Altar and Phyrexian Altar. Clark Clan is, this has gone way up in price since Brea come out, yeah. came out because yeah. sacking an artifact to give you mana. It's the only card that does it. It gives you two generic mana. It's incredibly powerful. Well, Ashnod's Altar is just one of the best cards in Commander, period. So just having a second copy of that in if you're playing an artifact deck mm -hmm. is, I mean, every artifact deck wants that card. Yeah. Um, and then there's March of the Machines, which is just one of those very silly cards where if you play that in a board wipe, everyone's artifact just goes bye-bye. <laughs> Um, the Clock of Omens, a card that you don't see too much of, even though I think it's another one of the most powerful artifacts you can play in the game. I'll read it. Sure. Clock of Omens, four mana for an artifact. Tap two untapped artifacts you control to untap target artifact. Yeah, so if you just have, for instance, an equipment on the battlefield, it's never going to tap itself. Yep. Um, or if you have a like card... a spell bomb. Yeah. That doesn't matter. Inspiring statuary itself. I mean, things that are doing other things also. I mean, there's also um, cards like Winter Orb. Mm. Uh, so being able to tap key artifacts, I think, is really interesting. And the reason I I almost made this into a stacks deck, just because you're able to do a lot more with your man than oh, other people God, are. please don't do that for game nights. No. It'll take the 75 hours to edit and make it into 125 hours. <laughs> so what you're saying is I should totally do it. <laughs> you're going to love it. <laughs> um, okay, so... Yeah, Those well, are the combo pieces. yeah, Clock of Omen works really well with like Voltaic Key too. And mm -hmm. your deck is very much about the tapping and untapping of artifacts in general. Like the Blasting and Salvaging Station also have to do with tapping them. Like that's the reason you're doing all the stuff really is just to untap them. So yeah, 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 pretty cool. Uh, all right, let's talk about the station targets. So this deck is filled with them. Um, obviously, there's a lot of different one mana artifacts in Magic's history. Uh, not all of them are as powerful as the other ones. Two of them are very similar, which is the Dispeller's Capsule and Aether Spellbomb. Didn't get to play Dispeller's Capsule in the game, but it's really good. Um, the Aether Spellbomb is the better one, though. This, oh, I agree. This is a one-drop artifact. Um, you can pay a blue and sacrifice the Aether Spellbomb and return target creature to its owner's hand, so you unsummon something. Or you can pay one and sacrifice it to draw a card. So combining with the Stations and Sidar Con or sorry, Silas Wren, uh, you can just 
it's card draw, right? Did you count this in the card draw category yes, too? See, this is the, the thing we always talk about, right? Which is like, this counts as single target removal and it also counts as card draw in mm -hmm. this deck. So it's filling two categories, two of your main categories. And then also it combos with your, or it, it synergizes with your main combo pieces. Like this is probably one of the best cards in the deck. Yep, that alongside Flare Husk are probably two of the best cards in the deck. Uh, Dispeller, actually the whole Spellbomb cycle I think is really interesting. I think people should take a closer look at those cards because they do give you a lot of flexibility. Were you sad you couldn't play the red one? Yes. <laughs> It's not even that good. <laughs> uh, Dispeller's Capsule is another very good one-drop artifact. It costs one white, uh, it's two, and you can it's an artifact, and you can pay two and a white to tap it to dis, to sacrifice the capsule and destroy target artifact or enchantment. So this is another form of single target removal. Neither of them are on instants or sorceries, by the way. So that's sort of what the idea of the deck is there. Uh, Lotus Bloom. Now this is a card you don't really see much in uh, EDH, but the Salvaging Station says you can return a non-creature artifact with CMC one or less. This is sort of getting around the CMC in the same way the Expertise Cycle does, basically. Yep. Yeah, totally. Um, so it's Suspend three, so you can cast this from your hand uh, to Suspend land, and it has three time counters on it, and you take one off each upkeep, and when those go are gone, you can finally cast it, and you can sack it to add three mana of any one color to your mana pool. So It's, it's just a Black Lotus with Suspend. Yeah, which is pretty crazy if you think about it. Turns out, still awesome. Yep. And especially with the Salvaging Station, because you can pop this into play, and it doesn't get Suspend, so you just get a three-man artifact that you can sack, have a go to the graveyard. Um, unfortunately, with March of the Machines, you can't because it just enters the battlefield and dies. dies. It's a zero-zero. But this is still very powerful to be able to just instantly get three extra mana and ramp yourself. So uh, another just sort of key combo piece. Well, yeah, and if you're doing it over and over, you can just yeah, get infinite mana or just a lot of mana. Yeah. Um, this card is was very interesting. <laughs> this card you played, and both Craig and I were like, I just recognized the art from the old days, but I honestly didn't remember what it did. Yeah. Ashna's Transmigrant. It's a one-drop artifact. Ding. You can tap it. <laughs> Bing. Bing. Uh, sacrifice the Ashna's Transmigrant. Put a plus one, plus one counter on target non-artifact creature. That creature becomes an artifact in addition to its other types. So it, like, transforms something into everything you want it to be, which is an artifact creature, because um, those are the two key things that trigger uh, the Salvaging Station and the Blasting Station. But it's a one drop, so you can sack that, and when it comes back into play, when you play it again, you can make another thing into an artifact creature. Also, you have Memnarch in the deck, mm -hmm. so you can just use this to, as a cheaper way to turn things into artifacts that Memnarch can steal. And that's something I didn't realize until it happened in the game. I was like, oh, thank you, Ashton's Transmigrant. I mean, spoiler alert, the thing he stole is pretty good. Yeah, it it's wasn't a creature, though. It's a pretty good card. Might have been a Planeswalker. Might have been a Planeswalker. <laughs> okay, so obviously, as a combo deck, you have to play a lot of tutors. Um, I know, obviously, this isn't everyone's favorite category to talk about, and we usually don't include this on deck decks because it's like, yeah, you play the Demonic Tutor, and good, good for you. Uh, in this case, though, the the Mage cycle is finally complete, I, or... Not it's fully. more complete. It's more complete. <laughs> We're missing a few CMCs in there, but we've got a lot of them. There's the Trinket, Trophy, and Treasure Mage. All three are creatures for two in the blue, and Trinket searches up a one CMC artifact. Trophy gets a three CMC artifact, and Treasure Mage gets a six or more, I believe, CMC artifact. So, obviously, uh, at the one-drop slot, there's a lot of stuff. At the three-drop slot, there's a lot of stuff. And at the six-drop stuff, drop, there's the Salvaging Station. There's an important stuff. A very important stuff, yeah. yeah. The Blasting Station is three, and Salvaging Station is six, so... Obviously, both of these cards are very important for those mages to search up, or just another part of the combo or another piece to help you out. Expedition Map is a tutor in this deck. Um, I play very little non-basics, so basically Expedition Map has a lot of targets. The Whir of Invention... I mean, Expedition Map could find a basic. And that's true. It doesn't make any sense to do that, but you could. War of Invention is probably a card I think um, a lot of decks should be playing. Like I said, this card is even... I mean, I'm putting it in Mizzix. Yeah, and that's not an artifact deck. It this this card's going in a lot of decks. Yeah, yeah. it's in, from Ether Revolt. You want to read it? Yep, it is blue, 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 and X. Whoa! For an instant, it has improvised, so your artifacts can tap. Uh, sorry, sorry. Let me just read that. Your artifacts <laughs> can help cast this spell. Each artifact you tap after you're done activating mana abilities pays for one generic. So if you pay three blue and then tap three of your artifacts, you can go find. Search your library for an artifact card with converted mana cost X or less, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. So you Court of Calling a um, artifact out into play. It's actually almost exactly Court of Calling, but for artifacts. And Improvise is definitely not quite as good as Convoke, but mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it, 
it's functionally court of calling for artifacts. Yeah, the big difference is improvised cannot pay for the colored part of a mana cost. Yeah. Um, so I there's some criticism for this card being like, oh, blue, 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 that's really hard to do. Uh, but the thing is, if you're using your artifacts to pay for mana, then the blue, blue, blue isn't that hard if you, you know, let's say you're playing the Mizzix X is blue, red. So almost all your lands that are dual lands will be able to tap for both. So you'll be able to get the blue, blue, blue because you're paying the X with land that with artifacts that you'd otherwise be tapping lands that maybe you have the two, you know, be able to pay the blue with. It's an instant. It's an instant. It's an instant. That's the thing I think that makes it. If this was a sorcery, then we'd all be like, eh, but it's an instant. And, and it drops instant, it onto the battlefield yeah, too. Yeah, instant gives you so much versatility and flexibility because you just, you draw go and you're in blue. So a lot of decks want to do that, especially Mizzix. And then... You don't have to use it if the coast isn't clear. Mm-hmm. But if it's on the end step before your turn and you've still got that mana untapped because you didn't need to counter anything or respond to anything, now you just sort of get your best artifact out onto the battlefield at basically no cost. The fact that it pl- puts it on the battlefield, like you said, makes it just such a better thing than a regular tutor, I think. Yeah. Um, Especially yeah. in a deck like this that is just aiming to pop um, out as many artifacts as possible. I, I don't think there's probably very many blue decks that don't have some really key artifacts anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing. Like I said, I'll put it in Mizzix. It's not to combo off. It's just to go get Videlkin Orri because that's one of the best cards in that deck. And yeah. every deck has like, oh man, if I could, I would want to get this artif- this one artifact every game. So I love that card. I'm putting I'm putting it in a ton of decks. Yeah, I think people should not be dissuaded by the blue, blue, blue in the casting cost. I think it's I mean, a if lot you're in easier. a five color deck, maybe you get, you you worry about it. But if yeah. you're maybe Even, some of the four color decks, but usually if you're running blue, you're running a lot of blue because a lot of the blue spells, like counter spells, mm-hmm. cost double blue. And the difference between triple blue and double blue is not that great. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it is, but it's it's not for a spell like this where you're going to want to pay, like, nine mana total. The only other color that asks usually of this severe casting cost would be black. Yeah, black is, yeah. Very and you guys can learn devoted. more about that in our Color Wheel series where we talk about why those exist. Like bing, that. bing. All right, sorry. Uh, another tutor that uh, you correctly removed immediately in the Game Nights episode was Koldotha Forge Master. It's a five-drop artifact creature construct, 3-5, and you can tap it to sacrifice three artifacts and search your library for an artifact card and put it onto the battlefield and shuffle your library. So it can sack itself. It's also just a sack outlet for artifacts to be needed, um, and the fact that it can grab any artifact, it's kind of like the tinker, the closest I have to a tinker, at least, in EDH. Well, it's legal. So. Yeah, it's legal. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. that's a plus. Um, um, this card's super scary. Yeah, we, we were like, we have to kill that right now, and we did, but then... Yeah, and I played two other cards I could find. Yeah, then you were like, well, I'll just play this one that goes in tutors my thing anyway. Dang it. Um, but yeah, this this card is... If anybody ever casts that card, you know they're going to use it to find the most degenerate thing. So, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I think the... I played Tezzeret the Seeker after you guys removed Koldotha Forge Master. I think we stopped two tutors that turn somehow. I think we stopped Koldotha, then Force of Willed something else, and you were like, okay, Tezzeret. And we're like, dang it. Yeah, Craig almost... <laughs> I don't know if you have this in the episode, but Craig almost played the card that he needed to force. Yes, I actually had to tell him. <laughs> I'm like looking, and I and Craig's holding his cards like so I can see them, which, you know, probably not technically legal, but he goes to play a card. I'm like, no, you need the blue card so you could use Force of Will. He's like, oh, oh, yeah. You didn't even oh, say yeah. that. You're like, no, Craig, you don't want to do that. And Craig went, oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Extra cost of Force of Will. Um, but yeah, Tezzeret, three blue, blue Planeswalker. His plus one, you can untap up to two artifacts, already pretty good. And his minus X, you can search for an artifact card with CMC X or less. So you can do up to a four drop, which is pretty intense. This is uh, got to be one of the better cards in the deck, too, because it synergizes so well with everything. Yeah. It's in different situations, right? If you're already got some good stuff going on, the untap the artifacts is really good. And then if not, he goes and helps you find the things so that you've got good stuff going on. Yeah. Um, of course, there's the special ramp in the deck, which is Inspiring Statuary and Chief Engineer. We've already talked about this card. I think Inspiring Statuary is a card that I that I would not be surprised to see pop up in a lot of decks. It's interesting because I think it, it does take the right deck, right? Because if you have too many artifacts, it's not really going to improvise much because it, right. it only casts your non-artifact spells. But if you don't have enough artifacts, then you can't really take advantage of the improvise. So the the... The deck has to sit somewhere in a nice place where there's a lot of artifacts, but it's not completely artifacts. Yeah, it's a three-drop artifact that says non-artifact spells you cast have improvised. So at the very least, this can tap itself to cast a non-artifact spell. So at the at its worst, yeah, it's, a three mana it's a three-mana selective rock. rock yeah. yeah. Which is interesting. It's not, it's not the worst even at that stage. So if you have other ways of abusing it, then 
But in the decks cool. where it's good, it's amazingly good because it turns Ether Spellbomb and, you know... Yeah, all these other sort of... Clark Clan Ironworks into equipment. Mana Rocks. Yeah. Like, that. once you have that, you're like, oh, crap. Because you play that card and all of a sudden you gain, like, seven mana sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Chief Engineer equally is good. Uh, so this is the category that I don't usually put many cards in. You've got a lot in here. Yeah. It's called Save Your Stuff slash Get It Back. Something that happens very often with combo decks is they just get destroyed by cards like Graveyard Hate, just mass artifact removal, mass board wipes, anything. So there are a lot of ways uh, in the game, in white especially, another reason I wanted to play Sidar Kondo, to get stuff back. And there are two versions of this. You want to read this guy? Yeah, Second Sunrise. The other one's Faith's Reward. Yeah. They're very similar. So Second Sunrise is one white-white for an instant. Each player returns to play all artifact, creature, enchantment, and land cards that were put into his or her graveyard from play this turn. And then Faith's Reward is just you. Yeah. If for a three and a white, you get a return to the battlefield, all permanents that were put into the graveyard this turn. And it's all permanents. So I guess yeah. for Second Sunrise, wouldn't get your Planeswalkers back. Yeah, it. it's really intense, honestly. Second Sunrise, I think the reason that it's really good is that it costs three, it's an instant, and you do it at a time that would best opportunities yourself. If a board light happens and then you play this, everyone kind of gets their stuff back. But in this, in the case that I used it, I was the one sacking everything. Nobody else had really lost anything. I think Josh Kim had like lost one thing. And, and I used this on my turn, actually, to get everything back. It was so much value. He's like, play a million things, sack a million things. Okay, sack everything to play some more stuff. And then Second Sunrise, get it, everything out of my graveyard that I put there this turn. And we were just like, ah, crap. It felt pretty gross. It's funny because both Face Reward and Second Sunrise played a prominent role in um, yeah. the game nights, even though they weren't from the same deck. Dun, dun, dun. Spoilers. Oh, oh, this is a cool card. Paradoxical Outcome. Three and a blue for an instance. It says... Return any number of target non-land, non-token permanents you control to their owner's hands, and then draw a card for each card returned to your hand this way. So um, I guess you can save your stuff? You can save your stuff. You can also just use it on a turn to generate. Let's say you just generate a billion mana, and then you bounce everything to your hand. Play it again. Play it all again, as well as draw like another 5 to 20 cards or whatever. This was part of that um, that combo and, and standard that people were trying to pull off for a minute with... Uh, what's that card where you, you, have, you have 50 life, you pay... Oh, uh, Aether Flex Reservoir. Yeah, and they're playing a bunch of zero cost artifacts, yeah, and then they bounce them all, stuff. play them again. Like, yeah, and then and then hopefully combo you out. Yeah, didn't work very good, but I like that. No, that deck that was cool. It was yeah. a cool idea. Um, and, and another card uh, that's come out recently. So again, like the reason I also kind of built this deck was just that Aether Revolt and Kaladesh were just gold mines for artifact based stuff. I think with Brea and with the Kaladesh block, we're going to just see a lot more artifact-based decks uh, in everybody's meta for a little while because, yeah. yeah, there's just so many good cards for it. Yeah. Uh, finally, there's Scrap Trawler, uh, which is a 3-drop, three 3-2 three, artifact creature construct from Aether Revolt. Whenever Scrap Trawler or another artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, return to your hand, target artifact card in your graveyard with lesser converted mana cost. So basically, everything above one is going to return you one of your one-drops. Um, it's just a great way. This guy just sits out there himself, and when he dies, she dies, it dies. It also brings something back. Yeah, two or one. I think they did that so you can't go infinite with it because you're always going to get something right. less, so you're always going to go down the chain. But, yeah, in a deck with a ton of artifacts, too, like if a five-drop artifact dies and you get to get something four or less, it's pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so alternate win conditions. I talked about drain earlier. Um, I actually have two cards in here that will hopefully kill people if you're able to generate infinite mana and do infinite things but don't have, like, a blasting station or a way to draw your deck. Also, fairly new cards. They're both standard mm -hmm. legal right now. Um, underhanded designs is one in a black for an enchantment. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay one generic mana. If you do, each opponent loses one life, and you gain one life. So obviously, mm. if you're continuously bouncing, uh, say, Flayer Husk, mm -hmm. and you're sacrificing it to... Ashnod's Altar, you yeah, get two mana then each you're time. getting the mana to pay for this, so then you're just going to drain everybody out. You can also pay one in a black and sacrifice underhanded designs and destroy target creature. You can only activate this ability if you control two or more artifacts. So hey, there's a single target removal, removal spell. You've got three. Yeah, actually, I should have put three in there. Stats revised. We did the same thing. Great. We're oh, so, I told you, we're, we're so good it. at the stats thing. Yeah. We, <laughs> we're bad I'm... at Wonderwall. We're good at stats. <laughs> 
Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's going on the resume. Uh, and the other drain card is Zulaport Cutthroat, one and a black for a 1-1. One, one. Whenever Zulaport Cutthroat or another creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So kind of similar to Blood Artist, but in this case, it's each opponent. Wizards has not been shy about printing that on a lot of cards recently. Because uh, every time I do a two-headed giant for a pre-release, you're always like, wait. Oh, God, this, they're so good in two-headed giant. These say each opponent. Like, yeah. all the cards say each opponent. So, yeah. very cool. It's definitely something to look out I for. I wonder if they're doing that on players. purpose. Because remember they did the whole, um, what set was it where they designed the second set? Was it... Um both of the gate watch uh-huh. it had like the surge mechanic or whatever. So, and they literally designed it for two at a giant. So they might, and, and Sundays are often like two at a giant day now on release mm-hmm. weekend and pre-release weekend. So maybe they are doing that on purpose. Pretty so if you play a lot of two headed giant, because people do in commander, yeah. um, then those are definitely cards to look at because they're 50% more powerful or sometimes a hundred percent more powerful. Yeah. Okay. Finally, uh, there's Memnark as an alternate win condition to make infinite man and just steal, steal everything. everything. Yeah. And uh, one other thing I want to add is all of the artifact lands are pretty good in this deck. Uh, yeah. Because you're able to sack them to stuff, and they come in untapped, like Seat of the Synod, and you can just tap them for mana. And they're artifacts that are one mana or less. Mm-hmm. So they can so, also get returned. With certain things, yeah. Yep, you can actually play them with Silas Renegade. He's I your think you own. have to cast. Oh, you're right, you have to yeah, cast Yeah, Silas can't do it. Sorry, Silas, you are not Crucible of Worlds. <laughs> Maybe next time. <laughs> Maybe he's... <laughs> I mean, he's already way better than I thought. But if he was Crucible, then we would have really been like swinging a miss on our uh, evaluation. Yeah, seriously. Okay, how does this deck play? There's a lot of maneuvering. There's a lot of slow building of resources over time before you try and sort of get, like Josh said, the one turn where you go like, okay, I'm going to try and win now. Can anyone stop me? Um, This deck does not play any counter spells, though. It is not looking to protect its combo in a lot of ways. The only way it's really trying to protect itself is with recurring all of the stuff back to your hand. Uh, so you're avoiding a, bo- a board wipe or just sort of saving a lot of permanence. Um, it has some board wipes in it, too. Do you have, like, Scourglass and stuff, I would assume, in there? I actually didn't play Scourglass yeah. in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I should. Maybe I shouldn't. Well, either way, some board wipes. I think yeah. uh, there's, like, Merciless, Merciless Eviction. Eviction. I remember you played that. Yeah, yeah. so you, you, you want to have the big impact board wipes, if anything. But, yeah, it's interesting. You don't want to... Um, I, I At least I didn't want to just have Force of Will up every time I was about to combo off or whatever, because that, that doesn't really feel as exciting the it's not was, as much as of a gamble. Yeah. yeah you, gotta, you gotta be gambling. <laughs> I'm telling you, Silas Ren, surprisingly it. good because of the death touch. It does help with the game plan so much. Yeah, I was gonna say, I did it. I played a red card. I played gamble. I did it. No one. <laughs> All right, guys. Jimmy, the go The metaphorical home. gamble. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, like, the the whole point is, like, you want to have Aether Spellbomb, Speller's Capsule out to keep threats at bay, to sort of play a longer political game and not be too ham with your combo. Because as soon as you do it and you're out of cards in hand and if someone disrupts it, you're pretty much out of luck. Um, you have to really be careful. You have to avoid for Graveyard Hate. That's the one thing that just destroys this deck. Um, maybe we should play the Ley Line in here so I can't be the target of spells or abilities. <laughs> Um, but yeah, slowly regenerating value over the long game with Silas Wren. He's so useful in this deck. Um, and then you have a couple of other ways to win, and you're just trying to sort of get to one of these. Uh, and if one doesn't work out, fortunately, you can try and go for another one. So I think each game is a little different because you can decide, okay, this game I think I'm going to try and kill someone with the insta-smack. This game I'm going to try to do the blasting station. Or this game I'm going to try to do the Aetherworks Marvel and play out my Eldrazi's or whatever. Um, so you don't, this deck does not want to oppressively be like, I'm going to be infinite on turn four or five every single time. I wanted to have a little more play, a little more flexibility. It's definitely like a combo that happens later. It doesn't yeah. seem like the deck's even really capable of combo. It probably through some like crazy draw, you could probably do it on five or six, but it, it seems more like a turn 10 ish, you know, if everything goes right type of combo. Yeah. Yeah. And if no one just goes, uh, counter spell. Uh, destroy all artifacts. Yeah. I mean, Cross and Grip and stuff like that is going to give you issues because of the split second and whatnot. But that's why you run cards like that because mm-hmm. of there's, you know, stuff like Blasting Station and Salvaging Station. Yeah, it's true. I think one of the keys to this deck actually is playing out your pieces in the order that raises the least amount of alarm. Yeah. So playing out Blasting Station, Salvaging Station, those are cards that, like, they make they make the alarms go off. They're stations. They're like literally blasting out noise. So it's trying to figure out which of the pieces are going to seem the least threatening, you know, and then playing those first so that on the turn, because you're just, it's going to be tough to go like play 20 mana worth of stuff, go off. You're going to have to sneak a piece or two out and then go for the rest of it. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting deck to play. It's definitely one that I think 
I may not. I'm not the hugest fan of, to be honest, because the combo <laughs> aspect of it is, like you said, it's it's you do it and you're like, all right, cool. Shuffle up, I guess. I just don't think we're combo players. Yeah. Um, which is funny because we get accused sometimes of being sort of too spiky, and I think the combo decks are generally the more spiky of decks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, like a lot of people do like that, and you don't like you don't have to build this deck in the exact way that it's sort of trying to go infinite in fact when i say i don't like combo that doesn't mean my decks never go infinite it just means i usually don't build a deck that's trying to go infinite so you could build this deck in a way where maybe you just took out some of the tutors where it's Mm -hmm. like it has a ton of synergy uh i can do a lot of stuff it has a lot of play and then sometimes i do go infinite when i find the pieces but i you don't have to be like tutor for all the pieces you could yeah. replace a couple of those tutors with some other things maybe that's something you would you might try and make you like the deck more i'll probably try and do that i mean again it's like one of those things where it's like you need to have win conditions uh and this deck was built to get to its win conditions and this deck could just definitely just be built to if it needs to get there otherwise try and win with more traditional means because mm-hmm. i could see a world where this deck is always just trying to kill you with commander damage with silas ren it has a ton of value too so it's just going to be like a deck that has play because it it, it just it's not going to run out of gas it can keep yeah. getting its stuff back and it gets into these cool loops that aren't necessarily infinite where you can draw a bunch of cards with either spell bomb by just replaying it four times not infinite times you know so. yeah there's one turn where sun titan was heavily involved yep. in a very uh sort of synergistic turn that did not win me the game and did it. not go infinite but it was like yeah i think you had like one card or zero cards and at the end of that you had a full hand and your board was full and it was like a sweet turn but it wasn't like in an infinite turn and that's the kind of thing that like i bet that turn was actually more fun than the turn where you won the game 100 percent. yeah because the turn i won the game was like okay guys this is how everyone dies um <laughs> yeah you're like see this okay then i do that and we're like okay we're done yeah instead of being like oh boy look at the things i can do right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this deck has the capability of vomiting your hand out onto the table which is a very satisfying feeling in edh um and you're just like crossing your fingers and hoping no one plays a board wipe afterwards yeah that was well, it was in contention for the best single turn of that episode of Game Nights. But Josh Kim did have a single turn that was incredible, too. So I yep. don't know. One of you. It wasn't me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it wasn't Craig. Sorry, Craig. Sorry, Craig. It's funny. Craig, we play with Craig so many times. And there are episodes that we recorded that we haven't edited and released where Craig does win. Oh, yeah. So. Poor Craig. The one. Yeah. He won. A, he, he, he definitely won a game in one where we just didn't have time to edit that game in because we played three games that night and he crushed everybody. Crushed. Yeah, and I was like, it just didn't make the episode and I was like, dude, sorry. But he does win. Just, he hasn't won. uh, I feel bad now because I haven't put him on camera winning. The next time Craig wins from here on out, I will make sure that that goes on the episode. Nice. He won't get on the cutting room floor. (laughs) So don't play any Stacks decks because if he wins against the Stacks decks, that game is going to be like three hours long. That's true. I just don't like Stacks anyway. I I do, but I won't play them on game nights. I mean, maybe I'll play like one Stacks effect in my deck. It's interesting. It's always one of those balances again, like like this deck, like how many tutors do you put in? How many many of combo pieces do you put in? It's always a balance. Most Stacks decks, the problem is how many win conditions did you put in there? Because people tend to crimp (laughs) on that and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, you got us locked down. When do you kill us? He's just like, well, I'll hit you in the air with Derevy for for a for few. Th- yeah. For three. <laughs> uh, I need to do that seven more times. Okay, pass turn. <laughs> By the way, I'm the one that plays the Derevy deck, so, you yeah. Know, yeah. I'm frustrated with myself. All right. To the listeners, are you a combo player? If you are, how do you like to combo off in games? This is something that it's a very sort of relatively new area of playing for me, so I would be very interested to see how other people treat combo, how they deal with it and how they make it, you know, fun for them in their case you could either be a degenerate infinite person that's totally fine or maybe you do something with a little more play or maybe you do something that's you know x y or z but let us know you'd be very interested to know yeah i think this is one of the divisive uh topics in our community and you know jimmy and i i think if you've listened to the show for a while we don't like to tell people like it's right or it's wrong we don't get into the morality of it at all like if you like it you should totally do it and we're cool with people doing it and comboing off but it is interesting to hear people's perspective on it yeah like you said i'm not typically a combo player as far as dedicating spots in my deck to finding combos but yeah i have combos in my deck sometimes like if you build synergy into your deck you're going to have them it's almost impossible not to yeah yeah so anyway all right make sure to go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone Use that affiliate link so they know we're the ones that sent you. They're our sponsor for the show. They're awesome. You want to order all of your cards there. We know that Modern Masters 3 oh, yeah. 
been announced. It's coming out in mid-March. By the time I think this episode releases, there'll be about 20 days before the previews start for that. Yeah, so you might not be able to pre, uh, pre-sell it yet, pre-buy it. What do you call it when you pre- pre-order? pre-order it? Jeez. <laughs> uh, you might be able to pre-order. Oh, listen, English is How still How many times have I'm you heard the words on. pre-order in your life and you couldn't come up with it there? That's great. It's like my brain with it happens two to other me options. All the time. And then, yeah. I like when pre-sell. When I sing Wonderwall, for they're, instance. They're pre-selling it. We're pre-ordering it. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah, So nice. you might be able to pre-order it now. You might not, but it's something that you're going to want to do very soon. So just keep an eye on Card Kingdom because one of the things we heard over and over with E3 Revolt is that they got people their stuff so that they basically had it almost exactly when it came out. Like on mm-hmm. that first weekend, they were opening their product. And for a lot of people that aren't really close to an LGS, that's just getting it faster than anybody else will get it to you. Yep. And, you know, hey, like like we said, Brea, Kaladish, Ether Revolt, a lot of stuff around artifacts right now. And those cards are slowly still going up. Um, so if you find something that you think is a sweet, sweet deal and that no one has picked up on yet, like Ashnod's Transmigrant, <laughs> go ahead and grab it. Cardkingdom.com slash command zone. <laughs> Go on to Card Kingdom and it's uh, no last not transfers. Where are they? They sold out. I know. I probably shouldn't have said that. I, I need to go buy a billion now of those 10 cent cards. <laughs> All right. Now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. All right. I got one. Oh, sweet. I have talked about this on the end step at least twice, and I'm going to talk about it a third time because it's so awesome. It's my single favorite piece of entertainment in the world. Oh, yes. And Absolutely. I'm not even joking, like movies, TV shows, and I love reading books. I've talked about books many times on the end step. And mm-hmm. yet this podcast, it's called Hardcore History, is my literal favorite piece of entertainment in the world. So there is a new episode of the show, and it's called The Destroyer of Worlds. Dan Carlin's the host. Listen, it's a history podcast, which makes it sound to a lot of people like something they wouldn't be interested in. But... You don't understand if you've never heard the show. It's really like a story podcast. And the stories he happens to be telling are about history. But the way that Dan does it is just insanely good. He's, he, he structures everything so well. And the viewpoints that he gives you, you don't have to be a history buff or a historian to love it. I've listened to literally, I think this is like their 59th or 60th episode. I've listened to every single one besides the new one at least twice. Whoa. Like, that's how good this show is. So, Hardcore History, I cannot recommend it enough. It's my favorite thing in the world. Probably the only other podcast you listen to that much is... Command Zone. The Command Zone, yeah. <laughs> because I listen to it on the drive here every time we record so that I can berate myself for saying, uh, too much. Uh, yeah. That's what I do. Uh... Or, um, the thing I used to say that I've cut out, but it's, um, you know. You know. Yeah, I used to say that a lot. Interesting side note on that... The you know and the right uh, Oh, God, things. I say right too much. That's my new one. Well, it's an interesting thing because it's something that my improv, my original improv coach in L.A. used to say, you know what I'm saying? After each of his sort of like, he would deliver like, this should be like this and this. You know what I'm saying? And it, what it does is it automatically makes the other person go, yeah. Right. Or, uh-huh. And then in that moment of affirmation of saying yes to essentially the question they pose, they're like eight times more correct on the other side. So right has kind of that effect too. It's very subtle. It doesn't actually like change the fact if someone's right or not. And you can ultimately still disagree with the person. But in the moment in conversation, I found that it's, it's actually like a, a subtle manipulative technique. Yeah, not even manipulative. I, I say this stuff a lot, just like asking a question at the end of a sentence because it continues the conversation or, you know, forces someone to make a, a decision point like in the games of Commander we play. Because they can also go, eh, I don't think so, you know. So it has a little bit of counterplay there as well. But, you know, if you're being very positive and stuff, and like, yeah, yeah so-and-so was like this, right? And the person, if they catch you're right, that it's energy. Naturally, your natural inclination is to respond by at least nodding or being like, yeah, right. Like you just did. Yeah. I caught myself doing it. I was like, holy crap, he just Jedi mind tricked me. <laughs> so if you're having trouble in conversations, one of the easiest ways, I think, to smooth over a conversation is just, like, ask a question. Don't make it about yourself. If you're talking to someone about something, ask something. And, and like, let's say you're talking about a movie and just be like, well, what did you think of it? Boom. Done. You're having a conversation now. <laughs> you know, two other people that have conversations are Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman. And they right. have conversations about the modern format on their podcast, The Masters of Modern, which you can find on Collected.Company right next to us. That's our new Magic Hub. You can also follow them on Twitter at the MMCast. That's them revving by on a motorcycle. They're like, here we go, modern masters. Ben's like on the motorcycle in his suit. In his suit, yeah. And he would look cool on a motorcycle in a suit, actually. Yeah. yeah I would look terrified on a motorcycle. Ben always looks cool. God, looks way Kessler, cooler Kessler, unfortunately, doesn't always look cool. 
Sorry. No, Kessler doesn't really care either. <laughs> um, our editor for the show is Terry Robertson. He has edited the video that you are watching right now on the channel, youtube.com slash the Command Zone Podcast. It's where you can find all of our YouTube content, all of our video content, including the Game Nights episode that just came out. Make sure you guys check that out. It's on youtube.com slash the Command Zone Podcast. Make sure you tell other people about Game Nights because we're trying to get it, the word out there. I think people, they know what the Command Zone is and you know we've been around for a long time and there may be a lot of people who are like, oh, that's not my thing, which totally understand. But Game Nights is such a separate thing. We want to make sure that they have a chance to try it. Yeah. Uh, try it out. So definitely tell your friends about it and hit that subscribe button. Yes, please do share it with people on Twitter and all that stuff. And also, if you guys, you know, we're only doing Commander right now, but we do have plans to expand it in the future, so. Star Wars Destiny, maybe. Ooh, yeah, draft. Draft. Conspiracy. Ooh. Ooh. We may or may not be planning that. Maybe. Spoiler alert, maybe. all right. And special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who does the living card animations on the videos of the podcast. Thanks, Jeffrey. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Wonder Wall. <laughs> Still not working. Oh, man. I'm so disappointed in us.